The clock is now running on the Playbook Podcast, the podcast where you take a deeper dive into the game of business, leadership, teamwork, character, the things that drive your motivation and build dedication. When you get a good look at the game plan of great business leaders, you start to formulate your own playbook and your own rise to the top. Make your next play your best play. And now, here are today's game captains, Glenn Amorell and Andy Phillips. Let's go! And welcome back to the Playbook Podcast. I'm Andy Phillips, your host as always. Joining me is my co-host as always, Glenn Amorell. Glenn, how you doing? Two notches above perfect. Wow, one of those days. Someone's ready for a holiday weekend. <laughs> a long weekend. For those of you listening, this will be after. But for those of you... Uh, who want to know what we're referencing it is memorial day on monday so it's uh, friday morning here and we're filming we have a great guest today and we don't want to waste any time uh with me and glenn doing our thing so let's just get right into it glenn do you want to bring in the guest absolutely um today we're um fortunate enough to have greg thompson who um founded thompson insurance enterprises uh, known as tomco which was a small whole uh, wholesale insurance operation and he built it into a program administrator with over $175 million in annual premium. He then sold Tomco to Markel Insurance Company and was ultimately um, promoted to um, president of Markel Specialty. Greg is currently an independent consultant and senior advisor for Century Equity Partners and a private equity firm specializing in insurance. So that's our first half. <laughs> that's quite a bio. I, I think I need a nap now. That, that's great. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Glenn. I'm happy happy to be on this today. Great. You, great. You, we can only dream about having a resume like that. My Lord. <laughs> well, you know, this is great because it really inspires us. I mean, we talk about people getting takeaways and stealing from your playbook. I mean, we do this every time and Man, what a great playbook you have, and we're super excited to to dig into it. So I'm going to get us started. Um, uh, Greg, tell us what Tomco looked like back in 1979, and, and back then, what did you envision for the future? Well, it, what it looked like was it was myself and a, a typewriter. I'm dating myself here. And, uh, and a, and a part-time assistant. And we were doing some business, mostly with Lloyd's of London, some wholesale brokerage business. And I guess my wish for Tomco was to write, I would have thought we were hugely successful. We had ultimately been able to write $5 million in premium at the time. Wow. That, that's, that's amazing. I mean, it's, uh, it's truly fascinating to us for sure. Yeah, and then that leads me right into my question, which is a little bit beyond the whole five million. I want to ask you, what what skill set do you think helped you grow to that one hundred seventy five million in premium, especially when at the time, let's call it your goal was five million. So, what skills and uh, what avenues did you take to get it well, well, well past your original goal? Well, you know, I I, I look at it almost from a different direction, which is that I I ran out of ways to screw up. Um, <laughs> So, so Andy, I went down a lot, a lot of, a lot of wrong paths uh, along the way. But I think that that the the, the skill that I, I would credit myself with is that I learned from my mistakes, and there were plenty of them. Uh, but I learned from them, and I was humble enough to look in the mirror a few times and say, "Hey, I'm part of the problem." 
and and make changes appropriately and um, and 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 learn from from uh, an experience that didn't go the right way. And, and Greg, I'm not. I, this is by no means me saying you are part of the problem. But since you just said that, that is sometimes the hardest thing for people mm-hmm. to admit is when they're part of the issue. And let's call it, it is. It might sound simple to our listeners, but if you never had those moments very likely you never writing 175 million in premium because you would have never uncovered some of those minor issues that could have turned into major issues. I'm sure. Absolutely. And sometimes they did turn into major issues. So I had a, I had a, along the way, I had a number of what I call in business, uh, near death, uh, experiences. And, um, so, uh, so really it was a, it was a case where either I had to learn or the business wasn't going to make it. Right. And, you know, um, I find that that's a common theme. I mean, to get to where you, you get to, you, you can't do it without making mistakes. And, and the people that are willing to uh, admit what they could have done differently and then change. So that's great. For, um, Greg, for those who, who don't understand or know, um, can you tell us what an insurance program administrator does? Yes, and and when, when I tell my friends uh, over the years that that's what I did, I, I would see the, the eyes glaze over because <laughs> no, nobody really understood it. The best best way to describe it is this: so an insurance company typically underwrites, they issue policies, they decide what the rates are, etc. What a program administrator does is uh, usually in a very specialized area. They are an independent contractor that the insurance company says, okay, you know more about this particular niche of insurance than we do. So we're willing to give you authority to decide whether you know, you're gonna accept this risk or decline that risk or rate this risk and, and what price you can issue the policies. Now, typically a program administrator doesn't have the full authority that the insurance company has. So they give, they basically you know, put a box around what you can do up to a point. And then if you, if you get out, if you're going to go outside that box, you have to get their approval for an individual account that doesn't fit. But um, it's it's a really fascinating business. Um, it in when I really got started in it in the late '80s, there were very few of us out there, and now it's a huge industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, what it reflects, to forget insurance for a minute, it reflects the overall trend in business in the world towards specialization. And right. towards, towards um, you know, if you, you look at lawyers, it used to be a lawyer could do a lot of different things for you. Now, most of them are specialists, the really successful ones. So uh, it's just, just an overall trend. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because at the Yurconic Agency, which Andy and I work for the Yurconic Agency, we, um, um, the owner um, came up with a uh, podiatry program, basically by playing tennis with a podiatrist. And, uh, you know, finding out, you know, where his pains were. And those are things that, that you have to follow, right? You know, yeah. and, now, and, and now the Urconic Agency has, what, the largest podiatry book in the state of Pennsylvania and second largest in Florida. So it's amazing well, how said. things evolve just off yeah, a game right. of tennis. So, um, so I, I got to ask, a lot of, um, you'll find, you know, startups for dummy books in any Barnes & Noble you'll go to. You'll find people write a blog or, you know, push out an article about how to start a business or buying a business or, you know, the first five years, what to expect. You never hear people talking about what do you look for when you're selling your business? There's really no advice for selling because I think people think that, oh, you you must be selling for a bad reason. When in hindsight, if you're selling your business, that's about as good as the days you can have in your business because that means somebody wants to buy it. So 
talk to us and really talk to anyone who's listening about any advice you give as an owner when it comes to selling your business. Well, first of all, uh, if you want your business to be worth a lot, you've got to you've got to build something that's more than just you. You know, you've got to have a middle management team of, of some value. You've got to have people behind you. Um, you know, you need, you need to build your build something that also has a competitive advantage in the marketplace that isn't just like any other business out there. And th- these are some of the things a buyer is going to look at for value. Now, in terms of who you choose to sell to. I think that's very important if you plan to stay on. And I think it's very important if you care about your staff uh, because they're going to be dealing with that new owner. And so to me, um, it's really important to get a handle on the integrity and the track record of your buyer. Most buyers have, it's not their first rodeo buying. And you have uh, the opportunity typically to go talk to the people that, that that were acquired by them previously, do your due diligence. And I think that if you're if you care about your people and about and if you're planning on staying on in particular, both those things, you need to be aware of what kind of buyer you've got and whether they 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 follow through on their promises or not. How scale of one to ten, how hard was it was it for you to kind of let go and release those reins? It was about eight or nine. Uh, You know, it was my baby. You know, I, I was the first employee of the company. Uh, I built it through thick and thin, you know, some, some really bad years um, before we got to the great years. And um, it was very, very hard for me to let go uh, initially. Um, and, and I wrestled with it for about a year and a half, um, some okay. sleepless nights and pluses and minuses, and et cetera. And, and at the end of the day, I had a really great middle management team. And I went to them and said, look, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this, but if you guys don't want to do this, I'm, I'm okay. You know, we can, we can keep on going like we are and we can make a, 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 you know, go another direction. And, and, you know, they heard me out and they said, Let, let's do it. it. That sounds like a great opportunity for us to, because I, I had given an equity position for my key managers. And I think that's something that's important is to share the, yeah, uh, we we had a very robust profit sharing program in our company, and we also the senior managers all had uh, b- what they call um, stock appreciation rights um, that were attractive, and um, and sort of gave them incentive to to uh, to perform and to feel like they 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 were owners as well. And and also, it's a great way to not lose people, not lose top talent. Absolutely. I mean, that's a lesson right there. (laughs) Yeah, because the the stock appreciation rights are typically vest over a five-year period. It can be even longer than that. And so somebody leaves, they, they, um, uh, you know, they, they lose the, the, the stock appreciation rights. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. We're on to halftime though. And again, pulling the curtain back, let's just find out more about Greg Thompson his likes, his dislikes, and any other thing in between. So, Greg, we do 10 question. We call the speed round. Glenn, I tell people all the time, I'm the biggest culprit of changing that to a, you know, slow round because I'm always seem to find follow up questions. Uh, but we'll do our we'll do our best. And Greg, obviously, if you have an explanation, please feel free to explain an answer. We, we just spend, you know, three, four minutes on this section. Sure. So it's not it's not lightning, but uh, we're gonna do a speed yeah. round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Alrighty. First question in the speed round is first car you ever owned. We enjoy year, make, model, color. 1960 American Motors Rambler. Um, oh, yeah. a very ugly red and gray interior. 
Okay. All right. <laughs> That's a first on the Playbook podcast. We asked that to <laughs> almost everybody. I, I had a, there was a Rambler in our family, a black Rambler. <laughs> pretty, pretty fucky cars, I got to tell you. <laughs> you can go as simple or as deep on this one as you want. What's your biggest fear? Pancreatic cancer. And I think okay. that's sort of self-evident. What about your favorite book or your favorite podcast? And just so so we can stay humble, you don't you don't have to say our podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, um to me, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's a book that was written about Winston Churchill by William Manchester called Alone. And it specifically talks about the era um, when Churchill was kicked out of the government uh, in the late 20s until World War II started. And during this period of time, very few people know, but he was considered quite an outcast uh, within British society and a laughingstock. And he was you know, big on, you know, Hitler's coming down and we need to do something about it. And they laughed at him. And um, in this book, I found a quote that uh, at the time I was when I read this book, I was having a lot of business issues. I read a, uh, I, I saw a quote that uh, very few people know about with Churchill and it's his definition of success which is going from one failure to another with no loss in enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And um, wow, that sort of became the th- my theme of how I was going to run my business. So <laughs> I've never heard that. That's, that's great. That's a great nugget right there. Yeah. All right. So oh, from, I get it. <laughs> from one line to another, do you have a favorite line from a movie? May the force be with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't even have to have a follow-up of what movie is it from. There we go. <laughs> no, right. Self-explanatory. What is your favorite song? My favorite song is Neil Young's Heart of Gold. Okay. All right. One food you hate that most people love. Well, my, a lot of my friends just love foie gras and, um, I don't. So. I've never had it. <laughs> yeah, you had it? A, it's a French, uh, uh, delicacy and okay. I, I just can't get into it. So okay. that's like goose liver, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't think I get into that either. All right. Uh, <laughs> when you go to a nice restaurant for dinner, what would your drink of choice be? Red wine. I like that. That'd be mine too. Do you have a specific red wine? Um, I, I really love the, um, uh, Spanish Riojas. Okay. Uh, is there a fashion trend you wish would make a comeback? Turtlenecks. I will say they're starting. They're starting. The The turtleneck sweaters <laughs> are beginning to make a little bit of a comeback. And then I see a lot of people, uh, probably the generation of hair below me, are starting to wear turtlenecks under sport coats. And I think I would sweat way too much on a personal end. But <laughs> guess, guess who doesn't turtlenecks doesn't work for? <laughs> too big a neck it just it's never been yeah I, th- I think that would just trap too much heat for me i'm a big yeah, guy it's like, ah. <laughs> all right your favorite sports team georgia tech yellow jackets okay do you have a specific sport you like watching them in best um football even hey. though they're not very good hey that's a true fan then uh <laughs> if you had to describe your life in three words say for a title of a biography about greg thompson it just said three words on the cover. What would they say? Um, determination, uh, learning, and humility. I love it. I love it. And with those three words, I think we'll we'll kind of get a sense of those th- three words even more as we move on to our leadership section. The second half, Greg, you're great at halftime, by the way. Let's kick this thing off. 
leadership experience focus for the most part. How would you describe your leadership style? Well, well, it changed over time. In the, in the early years, I was very um, worried about our success, and, and we couldn't. I didn't have the money to hire the, really the quality people that we should have had, and so I was quite a micromanager. Okay. Uh, and and over time, as I got better people, we were more successful. I discovered that that style had its had its issues. And so I learned to be more balanced, but uh, but I've always been hands on. I'm just not the type of guy who's going to sit there at thirty thousand feet and 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 not get involved. That makes sense. And, and again, if I think micromanaging, especially early on in a business, if you don't have I don't want to say bad people, but you don't have the most experienced people in there, you almost have to micromanage, or you're going to be you're going to drown. So that makes total sense. And you know, kudos to you to be able to kind of release a little bit of that. I mean, sometimes if that's the only style, you know, it's probably very hard to not do that. So kudos to you on that. Yeah. How, how were you able to release just a little bit? Well, you know, it's interesting. I brought in a consultant. We, we did offsite planning, strategic planning, and I brought in a consultant to help, help us do that. And they, prior to the planning sessions, they would, they would interview privately all, all the management team okay. and, and they, and they brought feedback to me, anonymous feedback, that the team in general felt like I needed to give them more room to grow and to make mistakes and to, and, and to do their jobs. And so I started letting go uh, based on that feedback. You, you know, that's a, it's a great point because in our business and in insurance, sometimes the owner thinks that they know everything about their employees. But when you um, interview key managers, you find out things that are really important to their uh, overall risk management that they weren't aware of because they are very hesitant to, to let the, uh, the top person know. So that's third great. Part, third party helps because sometimes <laughs> it it's very hard for people to tell the boss what they really think. Uh, I sure. know it really is. It's like when you get a, uh, a survey and there's only two people in your department and they say it's anonymous. It's like okay, <laughs> so you really don't always get what you think you're going to get. And it's even it's even on a simpler level level than that. I remember as a kid, my dad was the big disciplinarian. It was like I softened my mom up with some bad news to see how she reacts, and maybe she can uh, relay the message to my dad. So I didn't have to when I got in trouble in school. But <laughs> fortunately, it doesn't always work that way. No, it does not. Um, as a, as a business owner, how have you been able to keep up, and especially in insurance, how have you been able to keep up with changes in the industry? Well, you know, um, of course, I'm no longer a business owner, but as a consultant, um, I work with the, the business owners of the type of company that I built. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's great because I get the joy of being in the business, which I loved, without mm -hmm. the responsibility of having to meet payroll and worry about you know the things that can happen to any to any business. So um, so it's it's wonderful, and I, I I actually in some ways I'm better informed now as a consultant, you know, consulting with a variety of businesses than just being in my own business. Mm -hmm. That's being great. Being that you're in a position that you're at, no one gets there on their own. Everyone, even if you have a feeling that you did, I'm sure you have mentors at various points, and you probably still have mentors uh, with everything you do. One, any, any advice a mentor gave you at one point in your life that just has always stuck with you, and you would consider probably the best advice you ever received? Well, I'm I'm fortunate to be able to say that my mentor was my father, who also bankrolled awesome. me to start the business. And um, he had, I, I could list any number of things that, that advi 
you know, advice that I got from him that were that was really invaluable. But the one thing that really sticks with me is um, is, is he, he was fond of saying that things are never as good as when you think they're good, and they're never as bad as when you think they're bad, because because starting a business and building it is a roller coaster, and you got to learn how to ride that roller coaster without just you know getting too high when the at the highs and too low at the lows. And there's going to be a lot of both. And <laughs> so, um, so I found that to be very valuable. Greg, that, that quote, I was told a million times when I played football, it was the film the next day on a Sunday after a Saturday game is never as good as you think. It's never as bad as you think. The scoreboard <laughs> tells a lot of lies. You could lose. We lost to Michigan. 59 to nine week one wow. week one of my junior year we lost our quarterback and our all mac running back to injury in the first quarter and the scoreboard was awful the game was awful i'm not saying it was but for some reason when you turned on the film it wasn't as bad as we thought we were closer than we thought in a lot of areas and then we had a game we won 37 to nothing over umass that same year amazing we came in and the offensive line got drilled by our coach in that meeting because we might have won 37 nothing there was a lot of mistakes on that field so mm -hmm. it's they always told you it's never as good as you think it's never as bad as you think so it's funny yeah. that goes right to business as well absolutely right. and it goes to perception absolutely you know, it's so true so as a, an insurance guy deep down um what do you see as the biggest risks that are facing business owners today? You know, to me, the um, we, we've got a serious case of judicial inflation. Uh, that is, juries basically giving out um, uh, settlements that are very high and getting higher by the minute. And I think there's this, this growing attitude in society that the, the insurance companies have unlimited amounts of money. So just why not? Yeah. Uh, whether, whether the plaintiff deserves it or not, give them a big settlement. And um, this, this is, this is scary because yeah, I mean, the insurance companies will pass along that cost to the business owners, but how much cost can the business owners stand? Some mm -hmm. businesses are really struggling staying in business just because of the cost of insurance. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it, it's insane. I mean, these lawyers instinctively know what your coverages are and, and they go after it. And um you know, and it gets passed right on to the the business owners. Absolutely. So yeah. I, it's, I think I think it's kind of scary uh, that trend, and and it's, and it's been going on for a while. Greg, hey, we're to the point in our in our podcast where we call our hail mary question. It's our last question, so it's our best question. We ask it to everybody on here, and to me, Glenn, this is always my favorite question because we have so many successful people that join us. And everyone's answer is a little bit different. And it really, you know, it's a play in the playbook. I really like hearing from people. So with that being said, Greg, you're take yourself back to 22 years old. Mm -hmm. You have all the knowledge and experience that you have now. And we've read your resume. If we read it again, we run out of time. <laughs> you have all that knowledge and experience. What word of advice would you give yourself at 22 years old about life? Well, first thing I'd say, if you want to really be successful, you're going to have to take risk. And, and if you take risk, naturally, you're going to, at the very least, make mistakes, and you're probably going to have a few failures as well. 
And to me, uh, how you react to those failures is really key. And um, if you take the attitude of this is an expensive seminar, but a very valuable seminar in life and in business and learn from it and are humble about it. And um, I, I think that you will ultimately be very, very successful. But if you let it get you down or define you, then, you know, I've seen people you know, fail as well simply because they can't see a way out. So um, I, I think, you know, that, that a lot of young people that I talk to uh, don't understand how hard it is out there it's, it, if, if they're going to build a business or, or, or take some chances and that it's not always going to go great and, and, and are not necessarily mentally prepared for what that's going to look like and how to get through it. Yeah, I, I always say comfortably uncomfortable. You got to get very comfortable with the uncomfortable and yes. find, find a little bit of calm in the storm because like you said, you got to take some risks if you want to have true high level of success. I mean, that's why we're doing this. I mean, Andy's, you know, has some more experience in this than I do, but it was uncomfortable. And, you know, I was nervous every time before I came on, but I said, I just need to get uncomfortable. You know, oh, yeah. sometimes and I need to stand up in front of 80 people and feel really vulnerable because well, those are the things that are going to take me to the next level. I mean, 100%. even though I'm older, I'm still going for the next level in life. You know, you just can't sit back and coast. Well, Glenn, I couldn't agree with you more. You got to get outside your comfort zone to accomplish great things. But um, you know, it, 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 it's just unfortunately, it's just it's just something you've got to do if you if you want to if you want to do some some extraordinary things. And you've clearly done that, Greg. Clearly. Thank you. Well, Greg, this has been awesome. Um, what would you like to uh, to tell our listeners about yourself? And um, you know, I'll give you like 30 seconds to kind of little, little infomercial on humble brag, uh, humble brag time brag and what he's doing. Well, you know, um, I'll make that very brief. I'm an independent consultant for program administrators. Uh, I love the business. Um, I, I tell my clients that my greatest qualification is I've made every mistake you can make in this business mm-hmm. and hopefully I can help you avoid a few. So um, that's, 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 that's my tagline. And, um, and, and, but I love it. I, I really enjoy it. I, used to, I even have a few program administrators that are very small and fledgling. I don't even charge them because, you know, I know they can't really afford it um, because, because I, I, I enjoy the industry and I enjoy working with the business owners. That's phenomenal. That's great. And Greg, I, I definitely, uh, speaking for myself and I'm sure Andy agrees, would love to stay in contact with you and, and, you know, learn from you from time to time and, and see how we can help you. And obviously, just by listening to you, you help us. So thank you very much. Um, I'd like to uh, thank everybody for listening. Uh, my name's Glenn Amaro. I'm Andy Phillips. Um, until next time, what's in your playbook? Please be sure to comment. <laughs>